So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But, you? but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. What's going on, everybody? We're doing something a little bit different today. I uh, yesterday was doing a Q&A and kind of in the middle of that, thought it'd be a good idea to get some listeners on, um, you know, the podcast, obviously people that uh, nobody, you know, usually you do a podcast with people that that are known in the industry, maybe, but I, I know a lot of people that have a lot of cool stories. So anyway, I kind of opened it up to the public and uh, Ty Ritchie was the first person I had kind of picked out of the messages I got. Ty's from Oklahoma and he's on right now. So I appreciate you, you hopping on the podcast. I, is this your first one, I'm assuming? Yeah, Aaron, I appreciate you having me, man. Uh, this is my first podcast. Um, I mean, I've listened to your podcast ever since I got into the Western hunting uh, scene and uh you know i listen to you know dan elk shape man his is a good one i listen to also but you know basically uh i try to listen to as much as i can just to get different perspectives from you know how different people hunt and how different people live their lives so but yeah man this is my first one well cool no i'm glad i'm glad you hopped on what uh, tell everybody kind of uh, you know obviously about yourself and then uh you know what you wanted to go over on the podcast talk about hunting stories experiences or whatever but uh, yeah let everybody know kind of what you're about well before uh, i get started that way i don't forget this but uh you know little do you know like you've been a big influence on my uh my hunting career you know so far um so i, I was wearing a different brand pack when i first started and then I started listening to your podcast and your platform, man. And so uh, I work for my in-laws. So they own a business for since 1991. They sell bearings, filters, hydraulics. And, uh, you know, they're a small business. And I kind of saw how you ran your company. And it kind of reminded me of how my in-laws run their company. So, uh, you know, I, I, I made the switch to Kafaru. You know, living in Oklahoma, never had a chance to test the product or nothing. And, uh man, once I got it in, I, I, I fell in love with the product, you know, just wasn't a kind of, kind of what, you know, you were about, but just the product in general too, is great quality and everything. So ever since then, man, I've been, uh, just kind of taking your advice whenever you, you know, put something out there and, uh, been running with it. So then this year, you know, I started running the born primitive stuff by far the best pants I've worn, uh, man, just, just, they were, they did great. Your guys's uh, warranty service, man, I barely snagged my pants and it had a, a little bit of a rip and I messaged them and I said, Hey, uh, is there any way I, I can get a little patch kit for this? And they said, well, what's your order number? I sent them my order number three days later. I had a brand new pair of pants. <laughs> they didn't even. So, uh, and that's, I just wanted to start with that real quick and, uh, tell you, thank you for everything that you've done and, uh, kind of your influence on the industry as well. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, I try, I definitely, um, you know, once you're in the industry, it's, um, there's goods and bads, but yeah, I always have to look at I, the goods far outweigh the bad. So I appreciate getting comments like that. So thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. But, uh, you know, a little bit about my story. Um, I'm from Northwest Oklahoma, small town called Woodward. Um, you know, grew up deer hunting, whitetail hunting with my dad. Uh, you know, we out here, man, everyone has a deer, a deer feeder up and everyone has corn. So, you know, that's kind of, that's the way you get deer in. Well, uh, you know, growing up, man, um, 
I mainly just rifle hunted, you know, never uh, picked up a bow or anything like that. Um, then I, I finally picked a bow up about four or five years ago. And, uh, man, I just been, uh, it's been a learning experience ever since. So that, you know, that's what I kind of wanted to talk on today is kind of the, the highs and lows, uh, I've had with archery hunting and kind of how I was able to have a pretty good successful year, uh, this year. No, that sounds, uh, that sounds good to me. And definitely in Oklahoma, there is a lot of corn, but I, I love hunting in Oklahoma. I'm, I'm kind of in a, uh, you know, I'm in a Northwest side over by, you know, border of Texas where I'm hunting, but, uh, I I have fun over there and people kind of shit on the whole corn thing, but it is like when in Rome, I don't get, if it's legal, I don't get too wrapped up in that. I don't mind shooting deer over corn and you don't necessarily always shoot the big ones over corn. They, They get pretty smart. Um, but there's generally corn involved in any hunting I'm doing in Oklahoma, whether I'm sitting on top of it or I'm sitting within 150 yards of it, I'm sitting somewhere by it. That's exactly right. So, you know, everyone thinks, oh, man, that he shot a 170 off corn. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, you have, you know, we have, I'm hunting on 700 acres right now, private land, but I got, you know, uh, three feeders on it. But I'm not necessarily always just sitting on those feeders. And big boys are smart, man. Even even during the rep, man, them big boys are smart, man. They won't come in crazy close to a feeder, you know, all the time. So, but yeah, you're exactly right. I, it's just part of it out here, man. You got to have corn to get get the deer. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, shit. Well, go ahead. Kind of, kind of, you know, knock it off with where, you know, hit it off, whatever you were talking about on the, you know, coming from a rifle to a bow and then, you know, having a successful season. Yeah. Let's hear some of the ups and downs, how everything went, what you learned. Okay. Yeah. And you can stop me whenever, cause I'll, I'll just keep rambling. Uh, but man, like I said, I picked up a bow about four or five years ago, uh, found me at Matthews Halon 32, uh, online and man uh at the time man i remember telling my brother-in-law I was like dude i can't get this thing to, to shoot straight man it's like i'm shooting either to the left or to the right every single time and this this was a humbling experience for me he's like well are you looking through your peep site and as at, at the time dude I, I wasn't even looking through my peep site so that's how that's how raw i was when i picked up a bow the first time and then man, i just finally kind of started diving into everything um you uh, promoted Black Eagle Arrows, man. So I went to the Black Eagle Arrows. They were good. Um, but anyhow, so I started, you know, using that Halon 32, um, had a seven pin uh, side on there and uh, got my first whitetail. So cool, man, feeling good. Uh, my brother-in-law, he invites me to go elk hunting for the first time. And uh, I said, um, I'm, I'm going to come, but man, I'm not going to buy a tag. So went to uh, Colorado, uh, OTC. And the very first morning, like I said, never elk hunted in my life. We have an hour four wheeler uh, trail ride to the to where we wanted to go. And within the first thirty minutes, man, I heard my first bugle, and uh, we got within a bull. He was a herd bull with about six or seven cows, man. And I, I was instantly hooked from there on that first morning. And for the rest of the week, dude, we didn't see another elk. But uh, you know, I was kind of just you know, that bull just bugling, you know, 30 yards from you, just kind of was a little different than hunting whitetail out here in Oklahoma. Um, so, you know, fast forward, you know, two or three years of being unsuccessful. Um, last year we're in a fairly new spot we've been going to for the past two years. And, uh, so I went, I 
we used to, shoot, my brother-in-law shot QAD Exodus and he killed, you know, two or three bulls with that. And I was with him on those hunts. So like I've been in, I've been in, you know, when the bulls are bugling and, you know, he shot, you know, 10 yard frontal on this bull and, uh, I helped him, you know, bugle and rake that bull in and uh, helped him pack out. So I had the experience, man, but I, it was just never uh, my turn on that. So, uh, anyhow, that summer we were shooting and we could not get our QADs to fly at all. And nothing, nothing against QAD is probably more user error than anything. Um, so we switched to a sever and the severs, man, were flying perfectly out to 80 yards. And, uh, and I know a mechanical, you know, flies a little better than a, you know, than a fixed blade can, but, uh, anyhow, so we changed to a mechanical probably, uh, probably two weeks before the season, if not a week. And, uh, we go up to Colorado and I think his first or second day, um, you know, we're kind of, I'm cow calling and he's kind of bugling at me, like pushing me as a cow. Um, and man, we kind of get split up and I don't know where he's at. He don't know where I'm at, but we had this bull bugling and, uh, I kind of worked my way up to where I, I heard that bull and I finally saw him. He was a nice six by six and, uh, my brother-in-law was bugling away from me, still couldn't see him. And that bull was at 27 yards raking a tree, man. And I pulled back very first time pulling back on a bull and uh, I hit him right in the shoulder and that bull just runs straight up. And my brother-in-law, uh, he shoots him frontal and that bull runs down the hill and we watch him fall over, uh, and roll, roll down. Well, a little four, four by four bull came up right after that and just kind of started, you know, barking at us. And that big bull got up, man, and walked off and, and we tracked that bull for a day and a half. I found big piles of blood and we couldn't, you know, I think we tracked him for a couple miles through deadfall and everything and could never find that bull. So, you know, we went from the high to highs thing. We both arrowed this big, you know, six by six and, and, uh, to, to not finding that bull, you know, but, uh, you know, that was the kind of the first, you know, my first taste to let an arrow fly on a bull. And man, I was pretty down and, you know, he was down, but, you know, we had a, a full week still ahead of us. So we weren't going to let that, you know, stop us. And, uh, we kind of went, I think we gave it a break after that, after a day and a half of tracking. And then we started fresh that next morning and, uh, been calling all day. You know, I don't, I know I've heard you talk a little bit. You don't like to bugle too much. And, uh, I, I, I think there's a, a time and a place to bugle. Um, you know, I think the guys who just walk through the woods and let it rip every chance they get, not checking wind. I think that kind of really screws up a, a bull, but I, I also think a bugle, the bugling can be really, uh, really effective in the area where we're at as well. Cause there's a lot of down timber. And if you just kind of, I mean, you can glass, you know, a little bit of it, but man, there's a lot that you can't glass. So we, uh, we use the bugling and cow calls to our benefit, but we just don't over kind of overdo it, you know? Um, but anyhow, um, so that, that next morning, man, we went out and, uh, we sat up, found a lot of elk sign. So we just thought we, you know, would just kind of soft bugle, do some bedded bugles, man, and see if we could get any bulls coming in. And I arranged a tree and I arranged that tree at 35 yards. And I, I, I learned, this is another lesson learned, man. Uh, we had these two bulls come in and this bull that, uh, he was looked like, you know, he was right in front of that tree. 
I went ahead and pulled back and he stopped right before I could have a shot on his vitals. And it felt like an eternity, man, but I was probably held back for a minute and a half, maybe two minutes. Right when I was about to let down, he walked out and I put that a uh, 30 yard pin on him and I shot high on him. And I knew immediately I shot high. I saw the arrow sticking out, hardly any penetration at all. And, uh, he took off and my brother-in-law and I, man, uh, we searched for him for that whole afternoon. That was early of the morning Searched for him that whole afternoon, hardly saw any blood at all. Just a few little pin drops and, you know, couldn't find him. Well, the next day we're going to go look for him, but it rained that full day. And then the following day it rained for a full day again. So two days of rain. And, uh, so man, I did not recover that bull either. So at this point, you know, there's a, about four or five other guys in camp, you know, come back, they haven't shot nothing. And I have to come back and tell them, you know, Hey, shot another one. Couldn't find them. You know, at this point, uh, you know, it's all good and fun, you know, man, we're all, we don't, we don't get upset. You know, we all kind of bust each other's balls, you know, a little bit and, you know, joking, have fun, you know, we're not, we're not soft by any means, but, you know, it kind of starts, you know, putting the pressure on you when, whenever you have a chance, you know, and you're sitting here thinking, man, I don't want to go back to camp again and be that guy who wounds another bull, you know? Um, so that, uh, that was always kind of in the back of my mind, but, uh, so, you know, we go, Again, the next morning, still rainy, third day of kind of being rainy and heavy fog. And we uh, we think we were camped at about pretty low, you know, about 10,000, 10, man. And we, we hiked all the way up to 12,000 that morning. And uh, so we gained 2,000 in elevation. And like I said, the, the fog was pretty thick. But, you know, being from Oklahoma, man, you only have a you know, week to 10 days to hunt, you know, with work. So we, we couldn't just sit in the tent and let the rain keep us from, keep us from hunting. Um, so we went out and, uh, got into bulls. Bulls were really bugling, uh, getting after it. The fog was thick. Um, and my brother-in-law called in another bull for me. And, uh, he was about, mm, I would say we played cat and mouse with him probably for 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And you could only see about 40 yards in front of you. And we were in a boulder field up high and this bull, you know, he couldn't, he knew something wasn't right, you know, but he couldn't see very good. So, and, and the thermals were in our favor going up. And so he, uh, he just didn't know exactly. So I couldn't get him to commit kind of past that fog line. And I drew back on him literally probably five or six times and he would commit, then he'd back off, commit and back off. Well, man, finally, I, I, uh, I finally thought I could see him through my peep sight, man. And, Felt like I had a good anchor on him, and uh, I let it fly, man, and uh, gut shotted that one. And uh, you know, never could find him. Never had any blood. Just complete gut shot. And uh, you know that bull ran, and he ran into the abyss, man. Basically, we looked all for him, no luck. And uh, finally, I told my brother-in-law, I said, "Man, I'm to be honest, I'm mentally done. I can't." can't handle it you know uh having three opportunities you know you uh were selfless enough to give me those opportunities you know this is you know you're taking time off for work and all that and here i am you know just kind of screwing it up man and uh so that that afternoon uh we got into another bugle and bull and my i 
stepped back and raked a tree and my brother-in-law, you know, shot him at 20 yards and we were packing out a bull that evening. So, uh, man, that, that was basically, you know, the, the lows I've had, uh, hunting, you know, was having three bulls within a week and never had an opportunity at, at finding one, you know what I mean? So that, that would be the low, low part of my story, Aaron, if I don't know if you got any questions you want to dive into on that. Yeah. So in uh, I just want to make sure, uh, so this was your, what year, what year of bow hunting for this hunt? This, this would have been my third year. Gotcha. And what was going on? Were you just shit in the bed or what, what was happening? Man, I think it was, uh, a lot to do with like, you know, like pre ranging a tree, you know, uh, maybe that bull, you know, he was probably 10 yards in front of the tree and I put that 30 yard pin on him and, you know, and shot, shot high. Uh, he's probably more like at 20 and I should have took my time and, you know, lowered, you know, not hold it for so long. And if he bust, he bust. I think the problem I got in my head, uh, before I killed man was sitting there thinking, well, man, I just traveled, you know, eight hours to come out here. Every opportunity I need to get a shot off. And in reality, man, I think I need to set, I should have sat back and waited like, you know what? It's better not to fling that arrow than trying to force that arrow. You know, like you're going to get another opportunity. Trust that you're going to get another opportunity, you know? And I think, uh, I was forcing it too much, man. Uh, just wanting it to happen so bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I get it. I mean, with whitetail hunters, I've noticed depending upon, uh, we elk and whitetail are different. You can get away with a little bit more with, with elk compared to, to whitetails. Was mm-hmm. that something that was like, I've had dudes in front of me that I've called elk in for where I'm like, draw, draw, draw. And they never draw. And yeah. I got up to them. I'm like, dude, and they're like, Oh, I was worried about getting caught. And I'm like, they're not whitetail, man. Like you can get away with a lot more. Well, it's kind of funny you say that because, um, you know, I got busted quite a few times learning on whitetail, you know, with my bow. Um, so I think that's kind of, kind of what I was in the back of my mind. Like, Hey, like, you know, I'm trying to make this as perfect as it can. In reality, you are right. So what I've kind of learned, I'm not saying elk are dumb by any means, but I'm saying like, man, you can break a stick and that sort of thing, or you can have some pullback. That bull, he's going to look at you for a minute. You know what I mean? Or he may run off 30 or 40 yards and turn around and look back at you and say, what was that? You know, where a whitetail, you get busted, you're done. You know, that that's it. They're gone. So I think that that is one thing. Uh, I was just trying to force it, you know, a little too much. And uh, just kind of rushed everything. You know, I didn't go through my sequence early on, you know, okay. I, now when I pull back, you know, the old Chris Kyle method comes to my mind, aim, aim small, miss small, you know, I go through that. And I think, you know, seeing such a big animal through that peep site, you think, man, you know, white tail, you, you see him through there and your pin settled in. You're like, okay, I'm making a good shot, you know, with an elk. I think at the time you just see Brown cause you're not fully focused and you let it fly, man, you weren't, I wasn't focusing in on that small spot, man. I was just looking at the big spot. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. But, um, and I'm not blaming sever on this at all either, but I think I've never used mechanicals until I, I went up there. So I think I didn't have a confidence in them as well. And, uh, and man, if you don't have confidence, what I've learned with archery, then then you might as well not even go out because uh, with no confidence, man, you're not got something's something's going to go wrong. 
and with the with the severs, man, I I use them during whitetail, and I love them. But after you know that first bull, and I hit that shoulder, you know, I didn't have any penetration. Well, then from then on, I thought, well, I'm not going to have any any penetration. So I didn't have confidence in my in my mechanical setup either. And uh, I think that was something in the back of my mind as well, for the most part. So when you so you at this point you had hit one high. And then you said you got shot mm-hmm. one, and then what? What was the other one? So the very first one, man, uh, I hit him in the shoulder. He was raking a tree at twenty-seven yards, and uh, I, I hit him just right in the shoulder. Well, when I hit him in the shoulder, I didn't know where my brother-in-law was at, but he was calling this bull, and he didn't know I even shot him. And that bull ran up a hill, and uh, that bull was probably fifteen yards from him, and he shot him frontal. Well, when he shot him frontal. He said he that bull turned around, did it, you know, and ran back down. And he said he saw another arrow sticking out, and that bull fell down. Well, when that bull fell down, he was 80 yards from us, and we both, you know, were like, "Man, we got him!" You know, uh, he's down. Well, then that that small four by four came up and started barking at us. And when that four by four started barking at us, that bigger bull just got up that we both had an arrow in, and he just walked off, man. And we found big piles of blood, but. And everyone said, yep, you got a dead bull, you got a dead bull. But then that next morning, man, we tracked him for, you know, a couple miles, blood trail dried up and never found him at all. You know, looked for a day and a half, almost two days for him and never found him. So what do you think happened with that one? <laughs> man, looking back, uh, I, I don't know. So I know my shot looking back, you know, wasn't lethal, I would say, uh, and my brother-in-law, he said, you know, he, he thinks he hit him kind of in the neck area. And you don't realize, man, you, mean, you, know, you know, you think a neck shot is going to kill, you know, pretty easily. But after, you know, cutting, cutting an L cut, man, that, they got a lot of muscle in that neck. You know what I mean? So I think I just know this, man, after elk hunting for, you know, four, four years now, they're a tough animal. And I have a, a story I'll get into uh, from my New Mexico hunt this year that, that explains that really well. Uh, but man, they, I, I don't know what happened on that, but you know, and where we hunt, man, it's every year that the beetle kill gets worse and worse. So these bulls, man, you know, they'll hop over this, hop over that. And you lose a blood trail really, really easy if they're not bleeding very good. And when he dried up, man, we'd lost the blood trail multiple times. And then we'd just start grid searching and we'd pick that blood trail, you know, a little pin drop, pick it back up. And then, you know, like I said, we did that for a day and a half, almost two days, and, and had a had no luck recovering him. Gotcha. So, all right. So, what happened? Uh, where are you at now? So, what happened after you were crying on your pillow? <laughs> so after uh, you know a few long uh, few long weeks after that, man, you know, I, I honestly thought about just like you know what, I'm done. You know, uh, it's kind of kind of in my head mentally kind of acting like a little girl about it. And then, uh, started listening to, to, you know, you and Dan and you, you know, kind of have that, that no, no cry attitude, man. So I finally, uh, just like, let, let, let's, uh, let's figure this out, man. So I played basketball back in the day in high school and, you know, one year of college and I'm a really competitive person. It doesn't matter if it's a board game or whatever. And I just couldn't, uh, kind of couldn't stand the thought, of uh losing that bad the way I did and uh, 
so, I mean, I was happy for my brother-in-law, you know, he got his bull, you know, we all, uh, just as happy if one of you know anyone else gets a bull but man it still had that black cloud just over my head so went back to the drawing board man and i uh you know did start doing which we were doing this a little bit beforehand but did the 4 30 in the morning workouts so i'm a salesman you know for my family company so and i, I worked from from 7 to 5 30 got two kids at the house and a wife so you know 4 30 is about the only time i can work out so I, that's the time i did man so, uh, four thirty workouts, uh, started doing the sauna, man, just t- testing my mental, doing some cold showers, uh, just t- trying to get mentally tough as I can watching as many YouTube videos, which, uh, there's a lot of cringy ones out there, but there are a lot of good ones as well. Um, and just listen to as many podcasts as I could. So you had two podcasts with iron wheel bill. And, uh, when we were on the trailhead, this uh, this old man was on a fooler. He was shooting a shooting a recurve, and you know we kind of told him the story of me and my brother-in-law did it, how we shot that bull, and he said, well, "What broadheads are y'all using?" And uh, we told him. He said, "Well, one of these days, you boys are going to learn that iron wheel's the way to go." And you know we both kind of looked at each other and laughed. Well, that guy actually said he knew you. I guess his son, you know, he's a marine or something, but he hunted with you down in. Uh, with Scotty in Texas on some odd ad stuff. I can't remember this guy's name anymore, but, uh, anyhow, we talked about you a little bit. So after, you know, was looking at that and I was kind of cheap at the time, I didn't want to spend, you know, that much money on an iron wheel broadhead. But after that old man, that, that conversation just stuck in my mind after your first podcast with Bill. And I said, you know what, I'm going to spend the money. I'm going to buy the arrows that Bill, uh, uh, produced and I'm going to do the S125 125 grain uh, broadhead and then I traded off my bow that Halon 32 had no confidence in it anymore so I got rid of that bow got me a, a different uh, Matthews bow of VXR and man I just kind of like started with a clean slate uh, this year so man I just got the iron wheel set up going you know uh, got their arrows and man, just started practicing every single day. Uh, got me a new sight on my bow. I went with the five pin black gold uh, slider. Um, started learning more about how to do more of the bow setup myself rather than relying on a, a bow shop. And uh, you know, just trying to trying to learn more than I knew the, the the previous year. That way, I had full confidence going into this season. So uh, you know, fast forward to September got every, you know, everything dialed in, feeling hundred percent confident. And, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, his mom got sick, so he couldn't go with me this year. So another guy, uh, who, who's been hunting this area for 30 years, he, he wanted to go for one last go round. So, uh, him and another buddy of mine, we went up there and, uh, my buddy and his boy, they hunted a little bit separate from me and uh, Keith. He's the older guy who's been hunting there for 30 years. And uh, he, he kind of taught me a new new uh, new way to hunt these elk up there. You know, not just bugling all the time, but more spot and stock and sneaking in. And man, I don't know about you uh, with your hunt with uh, your elk hunt this year, but man, it was really windy and really hot that first week and where we were hunting. And the, the bulls weren't bugling and... Uh, so, you know, we got in the elk every day, but the very last day, Keith was worn out. We were camped up at 12,000 feet, 
and uh, he said he was headed back down the camp. And my first thought was, you know what, you know, this hunt's done. You know, let's just go. I'll just go, go back with Keith. We'll get, you know, the camp packed up and uh, we'll head in. But there was that voice in the back of my mind that said, man, you still have one day left. You know, you waited all year. You worked this hard all year to get to this point. Why not dive off that cliff over there where you know there's a bull hanging out at and just see if he'll answer? Uh, so that's what I did, man. Keith went his way. Uh, I went my way and I sat there on this ledge and I heard a faint bugle off in the distance and man, where I had to go, the deadfall was horrible. Um, and I was at, I think I was at 11, eight and, uh, it was a straight dr- drop off at least 500, 600 feet drop off a uh, rock slide. So I sat on that ledge, letting the thermal switch where I heard that bugle that way I didn't blow that bull out. And, uh, Anyhow, went down after the thermal switched, and I was playing cat and mouse with this bull. If I bugled, he would bugle right back at me. But if I bugled in the same spot, he wouldn't bugle at all. He wouldn't respond to me. So the only time that bull would respond to me is if I moved. And if I stayed in the same spot and either cow called or bugled, he he would not respond. So I was on one ledge, and that bull was on the other. And we had a creek going right between us. So try to picture this in your mind. Uh, two fingers come out. I was on one finger and he was on the other. And like I said, that creek went right between us. And uh, so I got to to my finger and I could tell we were parallel with each other. So what I did, man, I dropped down that creek and uh, I went up the creek and got above him because of the thermals. And when I got there, man, I bugled behind me. That way, I wanted that bull to think I was a little bit further off than what I seemed. And when I bugled behind me, man, I dropped my bugle tube and I ran up that little ledge. And as soon as I got up on that ledge, that bull was getting up. And uh, so I went ahead and drew my bow back. And that bull, I could tell he's going to walk right to me. And uh, that bull came, man. He came right to me on a string. And I put my top pin on him and I let it fly, man. And uh, when I let it fly, my arrow was sticking out and it looked like I hit him high, but he was quartered to me really, really hard. And, uh, I thought first thing I thought in my head was, man, not again, not again. And, uh, that bull took off and I thought I hit this bull high again. You know, the penetration didn't look the best. And I thought I was, I thought I wounded another one, man, to be honest with you. So, uh, you know, the first thing I did, man, was, uh, you know, text my brother-in-law and, uh, and my wife on my in reach, you know, said, Hey, wish me luck. Uh, I, I think I just, uh, got a bull, but you know, we're, we'll see. I mean, I hit him high and Aaron, I know you're not the most spiritual man out there, which, you know, that's okay. But every morning, man, I would say a prayer to myself that, uh, Hey, you know, I just pray that I shoot straight and I make a lethal shot. That's all. That's all I ask. If I get the opportunity, well, to back up a little bit, um, uh, you know, three days before this, man, I did not say that prayer. And I had an opportunity at a, at a smaller four by four bull. And I shot at this bull, man, and my, my arrow hit a twig and it just went right over his back. And that bull took off. So fast forward back to where we are now. Uh, you know, I said that prayer this morning, man. And I started to go look for that bull after I, 
I tried, man, I tried to wait, you know, the good 30 minutes to an hour, but I was pretty antsy. I just wanted to see if I had any blood. So I waited maybe 10 or 15 minutes, which was probably a rookie mistake. But uh, anyhow, started tracking and I had a little bit of blood and not much. And then, man, I finally come up to a big blood and I saw it was bubbly and light. And I was like, man, I must've got a lung, man. I, I look up and that bull is, uh, he's on his back dead. And man, the amount of emotions, uh, kind of came over, you know, me when that happened was, uh, was a lot. Um, number one, uh, my dad, you know, he's been dealing with some cancer stuff and he's the one who taught me the hunt. And, uh, you know, with him not being able physically to go, uh, ever on an elk hunt with me, you know, the first thing I thought, you know, was like, man, I wanted to show my dad, you know, I could do this not, not only for myself, but for him as well. And, uh, then just everything that happened the year before, uh, wounding three bulls and, you know, seeing, you know, how much of a mental game that took on me, uh, it, it was, it was kind of emotional. And, uh, when I finally got to that bull and looked at my shot placement on him, I did hit him high, but that iron wheel man went right through that shoulder blade and punctured the lung, you know, it, so it kind of goes back to that confidence, uh, that you have in your setup. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have killed him with a sever, but having that full confidence in that iron wheel, it just felt like, uh, like that saved me from another heartache. And, uh, you know, I was alone when I shot this bull. So I felt like, you know, I kind of wasn't relying on my brother-in-law, uh, fully or, you know, Keith, the older guy fully, I kind of was able to, you know, just felt different if that makes sense. And, you know, but man, I'll tell you this, uh, cutting a bull up by yourself and, uh, packing that thing out, you know, majority by yourself, you know, they helped me whenever I got back to camp, but that was, uh, that was a different experience, man, for sure. No, I bet. Well, and I think that, uh, you know, on the broadhead side of thing, that's the number one, like we just did a, a long kind of drawn out, you know, review, um, of, of broadheads. And that was the one I did it with John Lusk for the most part. Uh, he does a, he has a, a YouTube page where he does broadhead reviews and that's the number one thing mm-hmm. we probably said more times than we should have is what is most important to you. Each, each person's going to be different. And that's, I mean, like confidence is king. So I mean, that's awesome that, 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 you know, that w- worked out. So did you totally lose your, your shit after that? Man, I did, you know, I kind of gave the Ric Flair, you know, the woo <laughs> kind of gave that, you know, right after. And, uh, and, but it, like I said, it was hot. So, um, I, I, I couldn't get a very good picture, you know, kind of, you know, old Matt, uh, Ranella might not like them pictures, man, but I, you know, I wanted that, you know, that picture, the document, that first bull and everything. And, uh, so I didn't get the greatest picture, man, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was awesome. And uh, to be honest, I'm glad I was alone when it did happen, just because I felt like I learned so much, you know, like taking, uh, this piece from this person or this piece from that person and kind of being able to not rely on, you know, my brother-in-law, Kevin, he's a more experienced hunter than I am. And, uh, Keith, the older guy I went with, he was more, obviously more experienced than me. And I felt like, uh, felt like, you know, sometimes I would rely, you know, uh, on their judgment and rightfully so, but you know, this time I was able to kind of just, uh, rely on my own judgment, if that makes sense. And, you know, 
know, I didn't say this in the story, but man, I was playing cat and mouse with that bull for an hour and a half, almost two hours before I killed him. So I started at uh, 7.30, 8 in the morning, and I, I killed him at 10.30 in the morning. So it was a long, uh, a lot of process of making the right move, uh, checking my wind, you know, bu- do I bugle here? Or do I not bugle here? And like, I, it, it, that was, that was a, a very rewarding part as well. But, uh, I had to walk a mile, a mile and a half through down timber. And that was, uh, that was the brutal part when you had a, you know, pretty good six by six rack going through that down timber, man, that, uh, that'll test a man for sure. Yeah. yeah the pack out's definitely one of the more memorable things, especially when they're bad. Um, well, they're bad yeah, at the time. Absolutely. Yeah, they're bad at the time, but they're they're better later when you're thinking about them. But uh, during the moments, generally not uh, the funnest thing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of, you know, called that my Colorado redemption, you know, for that. Um, but then, you know, the crazy thing is, man, I drew a really coveted tag in New Mexico. So um, I only had a 5% chance to draw this tag. Um so I had to turn around and go home and work for four days. And then I was back off to New Mexico. So, uh, I went to New Mexico. My brother-in-law was going to come with me. Uh, but like I said, his, his mother, uh, uh, got sick. So he, he stayed back. So I was going, what looked like I was going to be in New Mexico with my brother-in-law and a few others, man, turned out to be so low again. So, um, I know you talked about this in your podcast, man, like hunting with people versus hunting solo. Um, you know, you kind of start thinking about everything in the world, you know, you kind of start thinking about like, man, you know, I really messed up on this or man, you know, I, uh, I could be a lot better than this. You know, you kind of start reflecting on everything. Uh, and I, when you were saying that, I, you know, um, uh, in one of your podcasts, I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I, but when it hits you, it hits you. I mean, have you experienced that lately? Yeah. I mean, it, uh, yo, yeah, yeah. Especially like, as, uh, as I get older, um, you know, certain things like work themselves out where you're, I don't know how to explain this, at peace with many different things and happy. And then there's other things, you know, that are, that hit you harder. And I guess I would, you know, say that's different, obviously, because as I'm getting older, there are different things going on in my brain. I don't know if that answers your question, but. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It, It absolutely does. Um, but back to, uh, to my story. So I went to New Mexico, um, drove down there by myself. I, I did the partial guide deal just to up my, uh, chances of drawing a tag in New Mexico. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with how that works. Um, uh, so I, I went with a partial guide on that and, you know, I wish New Mexico would, I don't know, their system's pretty good overall, but I had to pay, you know, two grand just to up my aunt's, my chances a little bit, but, uh, for this unit, it was worth it. But uh, anyhow, so I went with the partial guide uh, for two days. Uh, we got into some to some bulls, and uh, he left. So then I was I was there alone. And man, uh, when I was with that partial guide, I was back on to relying on him. You know, which rightfully so. But he did he did not like bugling at all. Uh, so I started bugling that next day a little bit, you know, I'd get to a certain point and bugle off and man, that, that day I was by myself, I got into six different bulls that were below me. And one of them had like a a bugle that sounded like he had no vocal cords. So that's the bull I wanted to go after. Couldn't put eyes on him or nothing. 
So, uh, that's the bull I went after, man, uh, dropped down after him. And I spent, you know, two or three hours with that bull and finally got eyes on him. And he was a big seven by seven, you know, probably, you know, three forty plus type of bull, uh, in this unit, never got a shot at that bull, man. But what I, what I learned on that, you know, I, I used my bugle tube to locate him and find him and would bugle back and forth. But as soon as I got close enough where I could locate him and find him, I kind of put that, I put my calls away and just tried to sneak in and sneak in on him. And uh, that was a tactic I was able to learn from a few other guys, just, you know, kind of how to use both tactics to make it work for your, your scenario. Um, so, you know, that morning got on that seven by seven, uh, never got a shot at him. So that next evening I went to a, to a hillside, um, to see if I could glass that bull back up. Well, I found a different herd bull that I've seen that I saw with my guide the, the past two days and I saw him and his herd. So I was glassing him, looking at, looking at him, see if there's any other bulls that would show up. Well, below me, uh, two hunters started walking up towards him. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen here? I was like, either that bull's going to bust out of the country or then guys are going to maybe get a shot at him. But the way the, the wind is going in the thermals more than likely by the time they get to where he's going, they're going to bust him out. So what I did, man, I dropped off that hillside and went back to the hillside where they were coming up and hoping that they had pushed that bull down to me. And, uh, sure enough, man, I, uh, they did. And I got behind a, I got behind a tree and, uh, waited and here come the spikes, the spikes come past me and, pay no attention to me. Well, then the cows start coming and they get, uh, behind me as well. Well, when the cows got behind me, uh, the bull was pushing them, bugling hard. And then cows, I think they got a whiff of, of, of my scent. And, you know, they kind of all just kind of turned back and looking like something's not right. Well, when they did that, that bull let a bugle off again. He was probably at 30 or 40 yards. I did not have an opportunity for a shot. And then he started on a little trot and, uh, here's a mistake that I learned, man. I didn't have my cow call in my mouth, so I couldn't get that bull to stop. And it wasn't a heavy trot, but it was a trot enough where he knew something wasn't right. And, uh, so I tried to make a noise with my mouth to get him to stop and it slowed him down a little bit. And it was back to pre-ranging, man. I was pre-ranging trees before this and I drew back and, uh, make a long story short, I hit this bull low in the, in the guts. And, uh, I, I, I backed out of there. I thought, man, I, I'll give him the whole night. Then I'll look for him that morning. And this was a nice six by six bull. And, uh, I backed out of there, uh, looked for him the next morning, uh, literally tracked this bull for 10 miles, uh, called a dog in the dog had no luck finding him. We had a little bit of blood and nothing crazy. I found my arrow. I could tell it was another, you know, gut shot. And, uh, lost him, man. So this, you know, coming back from the Colorado high, the highs, uh, now I'm back in New Mexico, you know, the low of lows again with another gut shot and it's back to, you know, rushing it where in Colorado, man, I took my time. I settled in on that bull and I felt like I made a good shot. You know, when I hit him, I thought I hit him high, but it still felt like a good shot. And as an archer, I know, I know, you know what I talk about when you make that shot, you know, um, it feels good. And when I shot that bull in New Mexico, I, I did not have that same feeling. Um, uh, so we, I looked for him 
all day by myself, no luck. Um, and, uh, I was like, man, I, what do I do? Do I punch my tag, uh, or do I keep hunting? Well, and, uh, and this unit I was at, man, I probably once in a lifetime unit. So, uh, I'll probably get a little bit of hate for this man, but I kept hunting. Uh, and, um, I, I, I refocused and I went back to glassing and all that. And so that next, uh, next evening, man, I got into a spot, uh, where I, where I thought some bulls would come in and some cows and I sat up, man. And, uh, I, I started bugling a little bit and I heard a bull bugle and this was right before dark. And, uh, so I don't know if you're familiar with this, but in New Mexico, there's a, there's an E I think they call it an easy, uh, plus deal where you can hunt elk on certain private lands if the landowner allows for that. So I got in contact with this landowner by kind of where I was on the public. And, uh, anyhow, he said, yep, you're good to go. You're good to hunt on me. Perfect. Uh, so I got this bull bugling back and forth with me right before dark. And, uh, he, he, he sees me and we're, knows where the calls are coming from and I wasn't in the trees or nothing. So man, I kind of just put my bow up like I was another bull and I started walking towards him until I got about 40 or 50 yards from him and he wouldn't commit anymore to me. Um, and man, I settled, I ranged him this time, took my time, pulled back, anchored and, uh, let it fly and, uh, made a great double lung shot, man. He run, ran maybe 50 or 60 yards and piled up. And there I was again, man, by myself uh, in New Mexico, uh, packing out a bull and uh, shot him around 7 or 7.30. And I got back to uh, my camp at 2 a.m. But, uh, you know, that was another uh, great, great feeling of being able to arrow a bull uh, and pack him out by yourself and do everything by yourself and just learning how to how, how, how everything went. But uh, back to them, to the elk being tough man my guide sent me a photo about two or three weeks ago and he said hey you remember that blue we were chasing and the one you got a shot at it's like you think this is him they found an arrow wound through his through his guts and that that were uh that was scabbed over and sure enough uh it, it was the same bull they killed him during rifle about 200 yards from where i shot him at with my bow so uh i i was uh I was a little shocked by that, man. I thought he would for sure die of, uh, you know, sepsis or whatever, you know, the buzzards would got him, but man, he lived another month and, uh, they killed him during rifle season. No kidding. Did they say how he was doing or at all? No. And I, I need to, I would like to get with my guide because, uh, he said it was one of his buddies who shot him. Um, but you know, he couldn't have been doing too well, man. Cause like I said, he was literally maybe 200 yards from where, you know, where I shot him. And, uh, but yeah, they said he had a, a, sca- a wound, a scab wound, uh, through, you know, his abdomen area that, uh, I'll have to send you the pictures of it here in a minute, but, uh, actually I'll probably send it to you right now, but uh, it was, a uh, quite, quite amazing, man. And I, I thought that bull was going to be gone forever, but it was 100% man, the same bull. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. They are tough. So, uh, but yeah, man, that, that was my season, man. So I kind of, you know, went from having the worst season, uh, that a hunter could kind of think of to having one of my best, uh, seasons in my first, my first bull and my, 
and uh, killed, you know, two in the same season. And now I have, you know, two freezer fools of meat, you know, that I get to share with the family and everything. So it's a, uh, it's definitely a surreal, a surreal season for me overall, but mainly, you know, man, I want to, you know, get, hop on here or if anyone that's l- listening to you, if they're, you know, going through the same thing, you know, rather than calling it quits, man, that, uh, Hey, like just dive in a little deeper, man, and, and put your effort into it. You know, there's, uh, there's only so many words, you know, I could say on a podcast, but you know, just, uh, don't give up, you know, like, uh, especially if you're not from, you know, the Western States, like keep, keep grinding and don't give up and, and don't, don't force a shot. Uh, you know, when, when you, when you think you're not going to have another opportunity because you will have another opportunity, you know, trust your, uh, trust your hunter instincts and, and, and believe that you'll have another opportunity. So do, what do you think, uh, you know, before we hop off here, like if you, what were you, what would you do differently from the beginning? And I don't mean elk hunting, I mean, grabbing a bow. What were, what would be a couple of things that you might do differently that you learned? Man, I would say, uh, number one, uh, would be taking my time and doing my homework before I just pick up the bow and start learning on the fly. Uh, I would, I, you know, dive into some more YouTube stuff. Uh, you know, you do a lot of good review bow reviews, uh, dive into that. Dan elk shape does a lot of good, uh, archery reviews as well. I, I would, you know, I waited three years, but because I'm, you know, it's kind of stubborn and wanting to learn it on my own, but you can't learn it on your own if you don't know. So, uh, you know, my brother-in-law, he was really good about helping me whenever I had questions. Um, uh, but you know, there's some stuff, you know, you get tired of asking, asking because you know I, I mean obviously it wasn't infringing on him by any means but you know you just kind of want to figure it out before you ask it's kind of a little pride thing um but that would be the main thing man and you know now you know looking looking at how much i feel like i know about archery there's still so much to know like uh now like i want to learn how to get a bow press you know do my you know restring my own bow uh tie my own d loops you know like do all of that where i don't have to rely on a on an archery shop that's two hours away from me to go, you know, have something work, worked on my bow. Um, that, that, that's kind of where I want to go from here. And that way when I am, cause it's only a matter of time, I've been pretty lucky so far, but it's only a matter of time before I have a issue when I'm in a Western state, you know, and what am I going to do? Drive, get off the mountain and drive two hours to a local shop or three hours, whatever it may be, and see if maybe they can fix my bow or, can I go to the bottom of the trailhead, have everything in my truck and be able to kind of, you know, figure it out from there. So that, that's the next step this year that I, I plan on taking and, and learning myself. Gotcha. Well, dude, that's awesome. As far as kind of turn, not the season around, but go from one season of, well, a lot of crying on the pillow to the next one kind of pulling through. Um, are you, are you going to try to head out West every year now? Yeah. So, uh, you know, back to work and, you know, the job I worked for, uh, with my, my in-laws, you know, I, I do all the outside sales and, uh, you know, there for a minute, man, you know, I was, I was sitting there thinking, you know, people talk about getting in the industry. I was like, man, how could I get in the industry and, you know, do more hunting or blah, blah, blah. But then I started thinking like, man, I got the perfect job right now. You know, it's for the family business. I take a lot of pride in that. I, my family here, my wife's family's here, you know, they're very, uh, we got a good team around us where, 
man, I was gone basically the whole month of September. You know what I mean? I was work. I think I worked literally eight days in September, uh, maybe seven. So like my goal from here on out, you know, is just to, to hunt as much as I can. I haven't got the mule deer bug yet. Uh, maybe after a while, you know, right now I'm still obsessed with the, with the elk side. Uh, but you know, right now, September is kind of my month. You know, I went from going on one hunt a year in September and now this year I did two. So kind of every year, man, I want to fit them two hunts in. So, man, I got a really good job. I, I got a really good family, um, and everything. So, um, I don't have to worry about trying to move out West or get in the industry and that sort of thing. I can just do it for the love of hunting. You know what I mean? Um, and that sort of thing. Oh yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah. And that's good advice. I say good advice, but I mean, stick like sticking with what you're doing and, did you know the industry isn't always as cracked up as people or what it's cracked up to be that people might think and 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 it sounds like you've got a good deal going with that well you know the thing i started thinking in you know is hey you want to go work in the industry well guess what man you got to provide for your family first you know what i mean so you know if i got a you know job and a family and a supportive system that's uh going to support me whenever I want to go hunting in September, man, why would I look at anything different? You know what I mean? Uh, I love what I do and, uh, you know, might just be, you know, you know, 2 a.m. drives, you know, to get there or whatever. But man, like this year for Colorado, I left at seven in the evening. My daughter had an event. I got to the trailhead at three in the morning, you know, that, you know, that type of stuff is, you know, kind of fun, you know, I mean, it sucks, but it's kind of fun looking back on it. So I'm, I'm just embracing that man. And, you know, uh, hoping to get out every September and, uh, and, and see what I can do. Heck yeah. Well, man, we're about to hit an hour here, so I should probably hop off. I got a couple more of these to do, but I'd really appreciate you, you getting on. And that's a, that's a pretty dang cool story and awesome that you got, I guess on your fourth year, you got two bulls that does not happen very often. So that's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Well, I appreciate it, man. And, uh, you know, for anyone that wants to, you know, talk to me about, you know, their, their bad season or if any other pointers, man, they can follow me on Instagram. It's uh Ty Ritchie 24. And, uh, I would, I would suggest people to go listen to, uh, Dan did a podcast with a guy by the name of Justin Boardman. And he has a similar story to mine. And, you know, I reached out to Justin and me and Justin talked a little bit and he kind of helped me get over that, that mental hurdle as well. So yeah, anyone out there, man, that just wants to talk about that. Don't, you know, I, I know as men, you know, I can't remember what podcast, uh, but you talked with a guy, you know, how we bottle everything up and don't kind of want to talk about it. But, man, sometimes it's best just to get that off your chest and where you can talk to people, you know, you don't really know, you know, too much. But you can at least talk to them and have a, a listening ear on, on something they can relate to. Gotcha. Yeah, for I know that it's, yeah, again, good advice. So, well, cool, man. I'm going to hop off. Thank you again for, for getting on the podcast and uh, keep me posted how the season's going. All right, man, Aaron, I appreciate it. And thanks. Uh, keep it up, man, for the industry. You're, uh, you're, you're one of the good guys out there. So really appreciate it, man. I appreciate that, man. Have a good day. All right, man. You too. Bye. Bye.